welcome. I am Jesse Van Rackhead, and uh, this is the second episode of All Abandon, a rock and metal podcast. This uh, this week, I'm going solo, and uh, that's what I'm going to call these little one-offs that I will do by myself whenever I can't find a co-host, so no Brendan this week. Um, first, as in last episode, I'll speak a little briefly about some concerts I've attended and purchases I've made. So, since our last episode recorded in time immemorial, I've seen Pantera with Lamb of God at Star Lake in Burgettstown, Ghost with Amana Marth, also at Star Lake in Burgettstown, Elder with Resin and Lord Buffalo at the Thunderbird Cafe in Old Larryville, and uh, Death Clock with Baby Metal at the UPMC Event Center in Moon. So first off, uh, you know, regarding Pantera, I just want to acknowledge the... Uh, uh, the nice woman who was uh, pissing off of it, I guess it must have been Highway 22, we, we were driving past, and for some reason, um, she decided to climb up this grassy hill right along the highway and piss, like, on top of it, just in clear view of everyone. So it, it must have been purposeful, instead of just, like, I don't know, pissing behind the car door or something. Just just in plain sight. And you know they were on their way to Pantera, too, because why else, you know, would that be happening? So, So that was really funny, but... Uh, but anyway, Phil sounded great. His voice can be a little rough anymore, you know, as he as he ages and stuff. But he actually sounded really awesome. Of course, he still can't do the old kind of more power metal stuff. They really didn't do any like Cowboys from Hell or anything. They might have done Cowboys from Hell, but I don't know that that was it. If anything, there's a nice little like tribute video, like intermission uh, kind of deal for the Abbott Brothers, um, over which the studio version of Cemetery Gates played. Um, but they didn't actually play it again, probably because Phil can sing it. So that was a little disappointing. That was actually one of my favorite songs ever as a kid. When I, when I really, really look back, I remember liking like Under the Bridge by the Chili Peppers. There, uh, there might have been something else. But besides that, I, one of my first favorite songs ever was Cemetery Gates from uh, Cowboys from Hell. So, so you know, again, a little disappointing not to actually be able to see it played. But uh it was awesome nonetheless. I've never got to see Phil before. Uh, I naively thought many, many years ago um, with my friend at the time that I was hanging out with, um, Down was playing at the Altar Bar in Pittsburgh. And, you know, we, we had to go into Pittsburgh. She was checking out some some college she was going to attend. And and I figured, oh, well, hell, we'll just go get tickets at the door. Well, obviously that didn't happen. It was sold out. So this was the first time I got to see Phil and... Uh, of course, Rex on bass there, Zach Wilde on guitar, and he fucking shredded. He was great. Uh, my second time seeing him. And, of course, uh, Anthrax's Charlie Benant on drums. Benante? Benant? Yeah, I saw with a bunch of friends and family. My brother was back. Uh, one of his childhood you know, best friends went, longtime best friends. And we met my, uh, met my cousin Jamie there with his family. Uh, you know, I'd like to acknowledge Amy and Lily. But it was funny. He was having a really good time, and he <laughs> told this little story about how in the 90s he had seen Pantera there at Star Lake, and he, he just never forgot. You know, he's still, like, resentful of this fact that Phil had said something about how Pantera was better than Metallica and, and Black Sabbath and stuff, and, and he just never forgot that. Uh, keeps him up to this day, so, so that was funny. It was a really good time. Uh, Ghost was awesome as always. I've seen him many times. I've seen every Papa. I, I saw the Cardinal. I'm really, really, really happy about that. 
Um, I found out about Ghost way back. I was a student worker, so I must have been a freshman or a sophomore in college. And uh, I had seen, you know, I'd peruse when there was nothing really to do, or even, you know, if there was, you know, local venues to see what shows were coming up. And uh, I was looking on Mr. Smalls, and I saw a billing for a band called Ghost and a band called The Devil's Blood. You know, so I, I looked them both up on, you know, on YouTube or whatever while I was working and, uh, you know, started getting into Opus Eponymous and, and the Devil's Blood's uh, Come Re EP and then their all, their first album had been out at that time, uh, the time of no time evermore. And uh, my biggest concert regret in my life is not going to that because while I was getting into the music and, you know, starting starting to digest it. I didn't really do so in time for uh, for the show to, to decide that I wanted to go to the show or not. And of course, you know, Salem Lamochi would, would eventually go on to commit suicide and the Devil's Blood would be no more. So I'll never get to see them. And they're along with the topic of the band, the band of topic of today's episode, the topic band, of, uh, the damned, uh, the Devil's Blood is one of my favorite bands uh, ever. So anyway, I uh, digress a little bit there. So the ghost, you know, uh, so the ghost show in Burgettstown, they played a great set list. Uh, we were lucky to be just under the awning, so as not to get rained on, because it was like, of course, like storming all evening. We didn't didn't even know, you know, if the show was even going to be allowed to go on or not. But of course, it, it felt appropriate. I mean, I'm sorry for all the people that had to get rained on, but the stormy weather definitely felt appropriate for, you know. Amada Marth as though, you know, the rain's pounding down on you as as your ship crashes through the waves and there's like dragons and hydras and shit or or, you know, just, just even with ghosts too, just nice rainy, gloomy weather for, for the death knell to ring through, as it were. But yeah, so we we were pretty close, not, you know, not super upfront or anything, but you know, just under that awning. Um, close enough to feel the heat of the pyrotechnics, which it was crazy. Like I, I can't imagine like actually being the performer on stage when that shit goes off because it was freaking hot from you know fifty feet away, however far we were. And so anyway, due to the storm, they they couldn't do an encore. I assume it probably would have been Jesus, He Knows Me, because we didn't see any covers that night at all. I, I I don't believe I could be wrong. No, if you have ghosts, no whatever but they did play mariana cross so that, that was fucking great and of course it was hell getting out of there uh because the parking in burgettstown is incredibly uh, unorganized and just just terrible i mean they're organized enough to get you in there but not to get you back out again so like the, the deeper in you have to park the later you show up the longer you have to wait even if you leave the concert early and try to wait you're just going to get stuck in place and just have to sit there so Brendan and i sat in my car probably at least 45 minutes like everyone else that we had gone with that showed up before us and and got out earlier they were all like getting home and we were still sitting in the same exact fucking place so um i don't know star like you got to figure that shit out because that's that's insane i would recommend anyone who might be attending a concert there in the near future just go as early as possible park you know, park as as close to the to the exit back to the highway as you possibly can, because you'll just fucking sit there forever, and it's it's pretty ridiculous. Like there's no there's no one like 
directing, letting people go. Like, oh, you stop here for a little bit. We're going to let these guys go. Like, none of that. So the further in you you have to park, the longer you have to wait, period. So that sucked. Yeah, so um, then on to Elder, Resin, and Lord Buffalo. They were all great. I wasn't familiar with any of them prior to to going to the concert at Brendan's behest, actually. But I'm, I'm really glad I went. I picked up a CD from each band, and uh, I'd encourage you to support artists and musicians that you love as well. Uh, shirts are an insanely priced uh, these days, but but uh, I find that CDs and even often vinyls are usually pretty reasonably priced. And I'd like to acknowledge also my buddies Jake and Ryan that I ran into there, sup homies. But yeah, Lord Buffalo, I picked up. Seems to just be self-titled. Uh, I haven't listened to it yet, still, still in the plastic. Resin, I picked up Solace, and uh, again, still in the plastic, but they were, they might have been my favorite band of that night. And Elder, I picked up, it's their first full length, uh, self-titled as well, and this one I actually did listen to prior to the concert, just to kind of get in the mood for stuff, and uh, it, yeah, it's great. So, support the artists out there. Lastly, I saw Baby Metal and Death Glock. And obviously that was an awesome show as well. I went mainly for Baby Metal, who's singing, uh, you know, somewhat reasonably annoyed cousin Matthew um, after a after a few songs. Um, I had heard of them back in college, some ten years ago or so. So it was awesome to see them, you know, finally make the journey to Pittsburgh. And and of course, Death Clock was amazing. Uh, Brendan Small's voice was pretty spot on. You know, if not quite as deep as the slightly pitched down, you know, Nathan Explosion. And, of course, drumming legend Gene Hoagland of Death and Fear Factory Excellence was tight and technically impressive as always. I think that was the first time I've ever seen him perform live, too, somehow. So, actually, it, uh, it was Matt's idea to try to sneak down onto the floor, and uh, I'm glad we did. We met some cool people down there, talked to some cool people, and uh, yeah, shout out to you guys as well. So... Without further delay, let's get into uh, the topic of this episode. My review of The Dam's latest record, Darkadelic, released on April 28th, 2023. And I got the little special edition there with the uh, little slip mat thing that I'll never use, but yeah, it's neat. So overall, you know, I think, uh, you know, Dave Vanian's sensibilities feature pretty prominently on Darkadelic, as they often do on Damned albums. Um, but in their storied collaborative spirit, the others shine as well, uh, especially Captain Sensible with tracks like Beware the Clown and Girl, I'll Stop at Nothing. Uh, Paul Gray continues to impress, having rejoined the band in 2017 and in time for the 2018 release Evil Spirits. Monty Oxymoron remains an excellent and entertaining addition to the band as well, having been recruited in 1996 and debuted in an official release with 2001's Grave Disorder on Dexter Holland's Nitro Records. That's right, the Dexter Holland of The Offspring, <laughs> who had recorded a version of Smash It Up for the Batman Forever soundtrack in 1995. So, you know, that little connection there. On that note, Dark Darkadelic continues to evolve the sound that began with Grave Disorder, I would say, which, in addition to Oxymoron, featured Sensible on guitar once again. Uh, this sound would continue for 2008's So Who's Paranoid on through the fantastic 2020 EP The Rockfield Files. 
Darkadelic for me is a little bit of a grower uh, compared to past albums, but after a few listens, I came out on the other side loving it. You know, maybe not as much as 2018's Evil Spirits, but it's fantastic nonetheless. The fact that these guys still, you know, find the passion to rock this hard is, is as inspiring as it is amazing to hear. So I want to break down all the tracks. And uh, the first, of course, is Invisible Man. And Invisible Man is playing at Dave's love of the old Universal Studios monster films and classic horror in general, like like Hammer and, and, and those kind of things. And I thought for a moment that it could be interpreted as like a metaphor for the unseen masters that pull the world's puppet strings and set national or global events into motion. Though that's probably a bit of a stretch. When taking the Bridges lyrics into consideration... It's obvious that the song is mostly just about the eponymous 1993 Universal film based on H.G. Wells' 1897 novel. And those lyrics say, Take some random chemicals. Anyone can mix. Inject yourself now for a number of weeks. Flesh just fades away till nothing's left. They say I meddled in things man should leave alone. But who wouldn't want the power? The power I have known. The Invisible Man. And the last thing I'll say about The Invisible Man is that little tempo pickup there. It's just so fucking good. Like, it's, it's great. Very, uh, very punk spirit there. Track two, Bad Weather Girl, is credited to Sensible and Gray. This track sees Paul Gray's second writing credit on the album, co-credited with Cap. The track continues a sort of tradition for the band of a, of a single track largely lacking any Dave and focusing more on an exceptionally even more British version of what the damned could be without him, or at least with a less gothy Dave who sang in a higher register, because I believe he, he does sing on the track. It just it kind of almost doesn't even sound like him. But of course, the exception in this case, in the case of Bad Weather Girl, is the thunderstorm and church bell sound effects. That's, that's very Dave. But uh, other examples of these kind of songs, to me... Uh, include Silly Kids Games from the Black Album, uh, the second track of 1982's Strawberries titled Generals, which is credited solely to Grey in the album's liner, and uh, Edward the Bear from Phantasmagoria, as well as We're So Nice from Evil Spirits. So the track's subject deals in part with the band's life towing throughout England and the disparate and or extreme weather such a band experiences during said tours. It also pokes fun at a man's or it also pokes on at man's innate fear of inclement weather, dreading every storm as a sign of the apocalypse, of God's wrath, of the end of existence. The lyrics mock self-serious youths who feel this way and spread these prophecies of doom, noting, quote, the school-skipping Pied Piper with BS to share, but never mind her facts are sourced from, well, somebody else, all telling of fictitious nightmares for planet Earth. These lines acknowledge that these sentiments are as old as humankind and are in no way original thoughts, though pseudo-intellectuals may feel them so. This track accomplishes what punk often does best, lampooning ignorance in society, even in something so oddly specific as our reactions to weather. Track 3. You're gonna realize. My first thought upon reading the title of track 3 was that it is a reference to Rocky Erickson and the 13th Floor Elevator's biggest hit, you're going to miss me with its refrain of, you didn't realize. You didn't realize that you were going to miss me, as it were. But while this might be the case or not, the lyrical content is much, much deeper. The lyrics for the first track on Darkadelic, credited solely to Vanian, are poetic and more metaphorical in parts. But the message is clear. Embrace change, embrace the passing of time, 
embrace the beautiful, finite nature of life. Punk may satirize and condemn aspects of society, but it, it is also self-aware, and this track contributes to this notion. The notion that the damned aren't getting any younger. They're aging along with the genre they helped pioneer, yet they are a glaring exception to the thought that bands can't age successfully. The damned is as awesome as ever, despite many of its members facing their 70s. This isn't just Dave preaching something. He's acknowledging also that the band itself is a living example of exactly what he wants the listener to understand. Dave urges the reader not to dwell on the past, embrace the moment, and continue to live in it. Cherish the present, because it's constantly on its way to being the past, to being something that shouldn't matter as much as the possibilities ahead. Dave, in this track, warns the listener that lamenting things that are over and done and cannot be changed can detract from your quality of life now and ahead. Carpe diem. Sooner or later, you're going to realize that fact. Track 4. Beware of the Clown. Maintaining a youthful punk spirit. The damned, so nice as they are, write about politics and the state of affairs in the Western world, particularly their home in the UK as well as in the US, which seem to mirror each other quite often these days. That is to say, the band tackles the god-awful world of politics and war when they aren't writing about ghouls and ghosts or the nighttime being the right time or girls going down or the virtue of positive expression through happy talk. Beware of the Clown is Dark Delic's contribution to this notion. Credited solely to Sensible, the track is about our incompetent leaders that actively shake our lives on a daily basis, mostly for their own benefit and almost always at our detriment, be it immediate and obvious or more subtle and timed out, like so many morphine drips. The track, as well as the music video, points to English Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who, as the lyrics express, was one day, gone like magic, replaced by a clone, equally tragic which acknowledges Johnson's short-lived successor, Elizabeth Truss. And it's not a stretch to apply this notion to our own leaders in my home United States, the orange authoritarian bastard Donald Trump and his geriatric invalid successor, Joe Biden. No punk album would be complete without some condemnation of the powers that be. Moving on to the next track, Western Promise is the second track credited solely to Vanian, and it's in many ways a direct follow-up to You're Gonna Realize. While You're Gonna Realize warns against remaining caught up on the past that cannot be changed, Western Promise focuses on barreling toward the ever-black unknowable future with confidence and purpose. A future that waits just over the western horizon, the horizon upon which the sun sets, the metaphorical unknown ahead. And not only does the track reaffirm the importance of seizing the day at hand while simultaneously looking onward, it acknowledges the significance of doing so with a partner. You don't have to face the future alone, and in fact, having a loved one at your side can make facing uncertainty a little easier. It can make you both a little more confident, a bit stronger, but even if your hopes and dreams slip through your fingers as life trudges on, if all what you envision doesn't come to fruition, one thing you might hold on to is the person that you love most. I also liken the idea of the titular Western promise to the so-called American dream, the hope for something better in life. The promise that uh, no matter your circumstances, there's always a better life to strive for. These themes aside, there are further references. The lyrics remark upon the tempest and storms will not face alone, which calls back to Bad Weather Girl, but also... The night is coming now, I won't be the lonely one. Recalling the Black Album's History of the World, in which Dave croons, She belongs to me, I'm the lonely one. 
Wake the Dead is the next track, and while Wake the Dead sounds much like a Vanian vehicle, it's credited to Sensible and one Martin Newell, who Wikipedia describes as, quote, an English singer-songwriter, poet, columnist, and author who leads the Cleaners from Venus, a guitar pop band with jangly, upbeat arrangements. He is also regarded as a significant figure in the history of cassette culture and DIY music, who in the late 70s led a four-piece rock combo called The Stray Trolleys. The Stray Trolleys. The lyrics are an ode to, in my estimation, the black-clad, goth-mistress, men-of-our sort of sentimentality covet. The type of love that could raise the dead, or perhaps the love of a risen dead beauty. The type of heretical, corporeal communion that raises each partner up in a flaming pyre of passion. Black-netted fabric over porcelain thighs, corset-hefted bosom, and blood-stained lips. Oh my... The next track is entitled Follow Me, and with Follow Me, we're back to the old punk standard of societal satire. Uh, sorry about all the alliteration, by the way. There's been a lot, and there's going to be a lot more, so uh, it's fun. So stick, yeah, stick with me. The track lampoons modern influencer culture and the carnivorous drive for more follows and clicks and the, the money and pseudo-clout that they can amass. It's inspiring to me that even in their age, the damned can successfully and artfully condemn what drives today's youth culture. Whereas once they were the counterculture youths, they remained the counterculture elders. They are able to articulate their derision of modern culture without sounding like old men yelling at clouds or whatever. Their notions are totally apt, and I feel this song will age a little better than, say, Song.com from Grave Disorder, which, while I love it, woefully underestimates video games as a valid medium of true artistic expression, as it lacks the foresight of the ubiquitous phenomenon of the internet. The next track is Motorcycle Man and Grey is the sole songwriter credit. Uh, musically, the song is pretty good. It's a uh, nice punky rock. Uh, lyrically, there's not much to say. Yeah, apart from being a little homage to Howl Gratters, the lyrics echo the sentiment of seizing the day and living life to its fullest while we can. Again, the, the band are getting younger and they seem to want to remind the listener to enjoy life to its fullest. Uh, life passes as quickly as the open highway ahead. Uh, YOLO and stuff. The song ends by slowing the tempo down a bit and getting introspective. Uh, Cap's guitar licks, especially paired with the sound effects of a ripping motorcycle, make me picture a couple of lovers leisurely riding a chopper off towards the distant sunset. Girl! Girl, I'll stop at cucking! The next track, of course, uh, not Girl, I'll stop at cucking. You know, a song about a man who would do anything to for, for his lady love to, and to save his relationship. But he won't do that. You do anything for love, but he is anything short of cucking. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, girl, I'll stop at nothing. This one's credited to Cap, and the lyrics are really good. I'm I'm sensing a pattern here, as you must. The tracks that are credited to specific band members carry forward their specific themes, and yet there are also overall themes throughout the album that persist regardless of who is credited, and they are largely positive messages. There's a bit of follow me in here, as Girl I'll Stop at Nothing mocks modern youth-driven internet culture with a line or two. Some tracks acknowledge negative aspects of the world, but mostly, as I said, have an ultimately upbeat outlook. And in this track's case, the message is to live a positive and happy life, regardless of the terrible shit that the internet especially shoves in our faces every day. Ignore the conflict-driven social media algorithms and find pure joy in life. But further, also help others find positivity and embrace their right to a better existence while we can. 
I feel that the lines, quote, Superman ain't what he seems, empty promise, broken dreams, sometimes heroes don't appear on screens, memes, or, God forbid, live streams, brings these points together. Uh, through social media, people usually exhibit the best of themselves, uh, be they full-blown influencers or just someone you graduated with 10 years ago who has six kids, you know, on Facebook or something. Oftentimes, these individuals' lives aren't as happy and glamorous as they may portray, but nonetheless, you may find your own life's experience devalued in comparison. On the other hand, many people on the internet are openly horrible to others, especially if they hide behind an anonymous handle and anime character image. Girl I'll Stop at Nothing asks the listener to ignore this side of the online world as well, as it inflates the notion that everything and everyone is insanely fucking stupid and selfish. Perhaps on the internet this is so, but certainly not in the real world. As the lyrics state, darkness must always give way to light, and I believe Cap is expressing that such a goodness wins in the end scenario is not automatic. It demands that we challenge our inner selves as well as take action in the real world. Next track, Leader of the Gang. Another sensible solo credit, Leader of the Gang, deals with an aging and disgraced rocker. In a world in which the rich and famous consistently get away with heinous crimes alleged or proven, the subject of the track faces conviction and a subsequent steel door slamming hard. This means the subject has received some form of comeuppance, so it can't be referring to someone like Sid Vicious, Anthony Kiedis, Ted Nugent, or Michael Jackson. While the research for this bit is not comprehensive, um, I can only think of Gary Glitter and the Lost Prophets guy as examples of disgusting musicians who were actually successfully convicted for something truly abominable. As such, I assume the track is largely fictional, if not informed you know, by some real musicians and events. Uh, so rather than being about any particular individual, uh, I think the track is more about your small-town famous kind of rocker. A douchebag from one of the local bands that always acted as important as the bands he imitated and covered. The guy that covers Warren's Cherry Pie, Kisses Lick It Up, and Pantera's Walk with full sincerity. He's the man. He's got a dozen girls. He's got it all and gets his all over Armstrong County until it gets out that he's an abusive, whacked-out man-child who takes his self-hate out on the women in his life and maybe even his kids if he has any interaction with them at all. There is a line in Leader of the Gang that expresses an argument for separating art from artists, as the lyrics state, quote, Now the suits are torn and frayed, and the songs are seldom played, but they still sound just as great. That is to say, just because the guy is discovered to be a cock doesn't mean he didn't make good music or, or that he wasn't a good performer at some point in his life. And lastly, I just got to acknowledge Monty's keys. His finger work, awesome as always. Monty Oxymoron's the fucking man. Next up, from your lips, as these words come from mine. This penultimate and the final track are both credited to Vanian. The former of these, From Your Lips, is a celebration of a sweet-talking femme fatale. The moment she enters the room, her aura allures, her dress demands attention, her perfume permeates, and any and all rationality is ripped from thought. All that matters now is to see her, to hear her, to know her, inside and out. And inside and out. And inside and out. Vanian writes not only of the poetry and promises this woman speaks, but of the possibilities that heeding them may entail. The potential of giving in and surrendering to her words. What may come to pass if one succumbs to her will and allows oneself to be seduced. 
Even if one part of the mind may know of the danger, the risk of fighting it and of losing out on some carnal reward is too great. She's in control. And lastly, Roderick. Roderick is Darkadelic's final track, and it's one of my favorites. It is darkly beautiful, as Vanian's sensibilities often are. Lyrically, the track is a bit obscure compared to the rest of the album. To note, it is unclear who the titular Roderick is, but the track's opening stanza kind of sets the scene for the message that follows. In the West Wing, the rattle of chains begins, moonlight streaming into the turreted room's windows. Oh dear lord, Roderick is loose. Like uh, In the West Wing suggests a uh, center of government of power, and those therein are appalled that Roderick, an, an apparent mover and shaker of strife, is is at it again. His, his old shenanigans. Roderick is an ode to free thinkers, to artists, those who shake convention to the consternation of the conservative, to level-headed realists who see things how they really are, that throw knives through the windows of fanciful illusion that the powers that be rely upon to maintain control. Roderick is change, discord, strife contention. Roderick is disobedience, contempt, defiance. Roderick is synonyms. <laughs> the brass section at the end of the song recalls Alone Again or from the Dam's 1986 release Anything, a last bit of reminiscence I think, and, and reference to the band's past work in an album that trucks ahead as much as it celebrates the nostalgia and legacy of the Dam itself. So my closing thoughts, uh, I'm not sure if I would recommend Darkadelic as a, as a jumping-on point for damned newcomers over, you know, 79's Machine Gun edit, Etiquette or 82's Strawberries, though in the modern music landscape, this album does stand out as something truly inspired and special. For damned diehards, it's more awesome music to soak up. Nonetheless, if you aren't a damned fan but like alternative music at all, I would highly recommend checking this out. It's it's truly a breath of uh, fresh air and a somehow ever-worsening landscape of pop music schlock. So that's it. That's all I have. I hope it wasn't too disappointing. Um, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Uh, hopefully we'll get Brendan back and uh, do something great. Uh, as always, I'm Van Rachnid, uh, at VRachnid on Twitter or whatever the fuck. Jeffy Juice, I think, on Instagram. Though, I, you know, I don't post much of anything. But And if you, uh, you know have any feedback or, or want to get in touch with us for, for any reason, um, jollyjellymedia at gmail.com. So yeah, uh, I have been Van Racket. Thanks for listening to All Abandoned, a rock and metal podcast, and we'll see you next time. All Abandoned, a rock and metal podcast, a product of Jolly Jelly Media, is proudly recorded in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. All Abandoned is written, edited, and produced by Jesse Van Ragnid. The opening theme music was written by Matthew Van Horn and was recorded by Matthew Van Horn, Anthony Capozzi, and Nicholas Petruniak. You can write into the show by email at jollyjellymedia at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.